Hi Fabrizia, good evening. Hi Hugo, how are you? I'm doing good. I don't know if you can maybe well be able to hear it in the background, maybe thunder clapping around here. We're in a, a thunderstorm right now, so I hope the, the the light will stay on. I don't know. Let's hope for the best. How are you doing? How is your move going? My move is messy. Okay. But um but you know, I am hopeful that when the truck comes, we'll just throw stuff in it and it'll all go away. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, so this week we have a, a special episode because uh, so far we've been just uh, you and me talking, exchanging ideas and talking about what we're passionate about. But uh, today it's, uh, it's a special episode because we, we have a guest. We have a guest who has been a friend of mine for, for quite some time, actually I've uh, interviewed him already for a couple of times on the other mm -hmm. podcast that I do, that is the Traveling Image Makers, and we, where we talk about travel photography. But uh, so let's just uh, uh, introduce the guest and then we'll talk maybe about the circumstances of uh, why we have him here. Uh, his name is Mark Silber and is uh, connecting with us, if I'm not mistaken, from Carmel, California. Right, Mark? That's right. That's right. Carmel, California. I have been there. Have you? Okay. And I have really fond memories of oh, that. Oh, it's beautiful. Place. Magical place. I you know, I think it's so similar to, to, to places I've been in Italy, too. You know, oh. we have that similar climate and artistic, um, kind of background. We're right on the ocean, somewhat like the Mediterranean here. So we feel a great kinship. We drink a lot of your Italian wine here as well. <laughs> I must visit now. <laughs> yeah. I must come back. Um, I, I really enjoyed it and I thought it was such it, it's, it, I drove down from, from San Francisco to Pismo and Oh, that's a great and Carmel really made an impression. It's lovely. When was that? I, I did I did that route. Oh wow, that was in '94, I believe. Yeah, you know, Ansel Adams lives or lived uh, just a few miles south of me here, and Edward Weston as well, just a few miles. There, there's been a lot of artists here that have. Uh, come to Carmel because of its sort of inspirational qualities. So that's when I started writing my books when I moved here. So, hey, maybe it works. Yes. I think Clint Eastwood was mayor when I was there. He was our mayor and uh, he wow. he lives. He has a hotel within walking distance. I We walk by there all the time. I went and to his I've seen him. We got a note and then we got a thing in our in our hotel we had a letter signed like, welcoming guests it like was like oh what you go somewhere you wow. get letters from yeah it's it exciting anyway yeah he's a good, good neighbor yeah good yeah i definitely need to come by anyway just to to give a little bit of introduction of mark to to those who are uh, at least uh, hearing about him for the first time mark you're a photographer video maker educator uh, a veteran of the industry and uh, uh, it's it's always a great pleasure to talk to you because you've uh, just uh, such a nice and, and fun person to talk to a lot, a lot of inspiration uh, thank you anything you would like to add to this uh, 
very short uh, description? I, you know, I've been a mountaineer my whole life. I was a mountaineering instructor and um, have climbed all sorts of different mountains and gone on expeditions. And that's also allowed me to access some pretty cool places in terms of creativity that I write about in the book, going to Mexico and even the Alps. So that's been part and parcel of, for me, being outdoors and loving the outdoors is, has always been a creative inspiration for me. Do you still do your uh, YouTube channel, video channel? I do. Uh, mm -hmm. In fact, I've let it go for a while because I've been so involved in the book, which is something you should never do. But we shot an episode today. I'm going to do a whole new series on the book and creativity. So we're kind of re-energizing that as of today, as a matter of fact. So let's talk about the book, because uh, I mean, as I said, you were on my other show a couple of times. And then yeah. I, got, uh, I got an email from somebody from your team who said, yeah. Do you know, Mark has a new book. Would you like to uh, to chat with him about the new book? And he sent me a description of the book. And I said, wow, that's that's really something that resonates with what we are doing on this podcast, which is all about creativity and growing as an artist. So the book is titled Create, right? Uh, yep. The subtitle is Tools from Seriously Talented People to Unleash Your Creative Life. So it really fits to a T with what we are, we are talking here. That's great. You know, it's funny, a little anecdote. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. You know, you struggle with titles. The book actually was titled The Art of Living originally. And I decided not to go with that because there were three other books with the same title, even though they were very different. I just didn't want to get confused in that, you know, the title itself. So we struggled and struggled on what should we call this thing? And finally, the word create just came to my mind. I thought, just call it create. But then the subtitle didn't come to me and I was taking a shower. You know, I had one of those inspirational moments in the shower. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, that's what the book is about. It's about tools from really talented people. So, you know, that all sort of snapped together at one moment. It's funny how these things happen, though. So the book has uh, parts where it's uh, it's just you writing and then uh, yeah. each, uh, each section or chapter at the end is an interview with with a creator, with an artist, not, not always right. a photographer. I mean, I think maybe there's one or two photographers only in, in there, right? Exactly. I try to limit the number of photographers that I interviewed. I could have made them, you know, I know so many photographers, they could have all been about photography. But I wanted to stress that creativity can occur in so many different way, uh, areas and ways. Even a motorcycle racer is a creative person, mm. very creative. And somebody who, who uh, you know, is an architect is obviously very creative. Somebody who builds a business with a very creative model or a parent who helps their children become more creative. So I kind of wanted to stress all these different areas that one could, you know, show their creativity and, and not, not just have it be focused on one area. Yeah, no, I, I find it, um, it just fits so well, the fact that you had this, you know, create is like the simplest thing is usually the best thing. You know? yeah. And the fact that you got the, the tagline is much longer and you got that in the shower and, and we were talking a few weeks ago about how 
it's so important to just switch off and do something else when you're trying to, you know, we, we focus, 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 trying to get the thing to where oh, you don't yeah. get. You actually let it go and go and do something else. And then you, and then it comes to you. And that, that is so true so many times. Um, yes. Yeah. I have an exercise. One of the chapters in the book is why you should take long walks. And because in in walking, you know, there was a there was a study that was done at Stanford University right near where I live. They actually found that by walking alone, you can increase your creativity by 60 percent. This was, when, you know, a scientific study. And I believe that because exactly what you said happens. You know, you get so fixed on something especially in our modern world where we're looking at computer screens all day long, you know, or even our phone, if you can get away from that, look at trees, look at rocks, look at other people who are hiking and dogs and birds and, you know, your mind gets unlocked. And all of a sudden, I can't tell you how many times I've solved a problem just by going for a walk. Whether it's about the book or it's a personal thing or whatever, it's a very important tool. And by the way, uh, Leonardo da Vinci, who I tried to track down as best I could in Florence, I went to several of his museums and actually met up with a da Vinci expert and talked to him about the book that I was writing, because I do quote him a couple of places. But one of the things da Vinci said was, uh, carry a notebook with you when you walk around and draw and write about people that you see and try to observe their hands, their feet, their facial expressions when they're mad, when they're sad. You know, don't just be sort of two-dimensional about it, but really soak in everything you can about it and about them. And you'll use that as material in your creative process. And one of the things he did was he, he, yeah, so he used illustrations for The Last Supper from people that he saw in pubs. I don't know what you probably didn't call them a pub, but he saw these facial expressions and used them later on. And it's part of your your kind of a mental library that you're acquiring. I wonder what Da Vinci would have done with a mirrorless camera. Wow. <laughs> he probably would have designed it for sure. <laughs> and thought, like, this, isn't, this isn't good enough. Let's let's make it better. Uh, Something. Yeah, he would have definitely redesigned it somehow. He'd be he'd be <laughs> talking to it's just one of the camera manufacturers for sure about how you can make it better. So <laughs> one of one of the things that I like about the book is that it's uh, it's not one of those books where people talk about creativity in very abstract terms, but yeah. it's very it's very practical, right? There's exercises at the end of every chapter, uh, and there's. Uh, uh, there's a way of organizing uh, your the thoughts, your ideas about creativity in what you call the, the cycle of creativity and its parts, which right. are the visualization tools, craft, editing, and sharing. So uh, I, would, I have thought of organizing this conversation, talking about those different parts of the cycle. Maybe if you can give a, a little definition of what it is, and maybe sure. some examples. So... Uh, Visualization. What what is visualization, and can me, can you maybe give a, a an example, a example of a technique that you use to improve your visualization skills? Absolutely. So visualization means seeing in your mind, mentally or spiritually, what it is you're envisioning, what you want to create. 
uh, Ansel Adams. The, the first person I heard mention it was Ansel Adams. However, it was the word was around before he brought it up. He said the whole key to a photograph is your ability to visualize it. In other words, if you're just pressing the shutter, you're you're taking snapshots. Snap, 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 snap. But the moment you visualize the photograph, you're now creating a, a piece of art. And from that, I actually learned that any art form is using visualization, whether it's visually or in some other way, like an, a musician. I give examples of the Beach Boys when Brian Wilson created his masterpiece, Pet Sounds, he visualized every musical instrument in that, and then he went into the studio and actually had them play it. But first he mentally visualized it. Um, when I was redesigning my house, we bought a, a house in Carmel that fortunately the, the people who had it before us didn't really do a great job of designing it. So we were able to acquire this phenomenal house that needed a lot of work, which is something I enjoy doing also. But we visualized exactly how we wanted it to look. And then with the contractor, basically made that happen. So you can see lots of different examples of visualization. It's just getting the idea before you do anything and getting a very clear vision of what you want. When you two decided to put this podcast together, I'm sure you had a vision for it before you even recorded your first show. And that's that's how art comes about. So the next phase is knowing your tools. Because if you just have a vision, but you can't put it into any kind of physical sense because you don't know the tools, then nothing happens. And those tools could be anywhere from a piano to a pen to a camera or a keyboard. Whatever it is, you have to know those tools. And you have to know them well enough to be able to not have them get in the way. Bob Holmes, who I've interviewed a number of times on my YouTube channel, is a fantastic travel photographer. He won the Travel Photographer of the Year like 14 times, something remarkable like that. But he said, don't let the camera get in the way of your photography. Those are good words because a lot of times we let our tools get in the way of what we're trying to do. Once once we've created, once we have our tools down, we have to create, and I call that working your craft, meaning get in there and do it, work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Writing a book is work. You know, you have to wake up every morning and face a, a blank keyboard or a blank piece of paper and fill it up. So you got to work at it. And, you know, uh, any any art form, there's work involved. A question about this in your yeah in your chapter about craft and saying mm -hmm. you you need to do all the work and we know that very well we've talked about this in in previous episodes of this show and you you give the example of Jack London who sat down at his uh, desk every morning to write fifteen hundred words and that's he would right not get up until he had written fifteen hundred words Stephen yeah. King is the same isn't he Stephen Ooh. King does the same thing doesn't mm -hmm. he. Yeah, most also, most authors have done that. Stephen King uh, is even higher. He's he's up over two thousand words, I think, maybe twenty five hundred. But every so, day, no matter what. So based on that example, you say that you want to turn your reader into a twenty four seven creativity machine. Yeah. Uh, but what what would be your 
answer to those who object and have had this. I mean, I've, I have this thought sometimes myself. Uh, who has time for this? Because we yeah. have a job, we have a family to keep us busy. And even people who have a 100% creative profession, because they're writers, photographers, full-time and so on, we know that we must spend like 80%, if not 90% of our time on the business side of things. Right, marketing so and whatnot. How can we be 24-7 <laughs> creative if we have all those commitments and work to do and things that have nothing to do with creativity? Uh, that is a big question. You look like you have something to say, though. <laughs> or are you just waiting for the answer? Well, because I had to go through this. And I can tell you, business can be creative. Cooking can be creative. Doing laundry yeah. can be creative. Raising your kids can be creative. Hoovering can be because I hate doing it. So if it's no fun, I don't do it. You know, Hoover? so. Yeah, vacuum cleaning. Okay, no, <laughs> I think that's. I, I, I just wanted to make I sure I knew what you were saying. I, I love it. I, I just don't do it. I guess. But, you know, there's some. I once. I remember I had huge windows in a house in Milan, like big, you know, walk through big wall to wall and um, hated cleaning those windows when the kids were small. So I, I, we used to soap them up and make shapes and play with them. And then we oh, would, cool. you know, get the thing off. Yeah. So you can be, I know Mark's got more to say about this, but I totally believe you can make anything, in, you know, creative in a way. So you just answer the question. I don't need to say anything further. <laughs> so, no, <it's> true. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let, let's talk about it. So first of all, you're right, Ugo, life gets in the way all the time. It's unfortunate, but true. It just gets in the way. But somehow, here's the deal. There's two parts to this answer. One is time is the, probably the number one barrier that people bring up, as you said. I have all these other things I have to do. So one of the chapters I wrote was about how to manage your time. Not that I'm like perfect myself, believe me, I'm not, but I wanted to give a, an exercise that somebody could really look at their schedule and see where they're probably wasting a lot of time. You know, I've, I've observed over the years that when people tell me and argue with me, I just don't have time for that. I don't have time. They're using all their energy against themselves. Like, you know, you know they're they're wasting so much time telling me they can't do it that if they actually just said, okay, let me do it, they would probably get it done fairly easily. But it's when you're arguing against yourself that way, it's like driving a car with the gas and the brake on at the same time. Take, take your foot off the brake and maybe it'll go a lot easier. <laughs> so part of it is, you know, one of the early chapters I talk about purpose and purpose is so senior to even your schedule. You, if you have a purpose to do something, you're going to get it done. And that purpose could be any of those things that you mentioned, Fabrizio, like, you know, washing your windows. I need to get the windows washed, but I want to do it with some kind of creativity with the kids or whatever. You made it into a fun activity. That's great. That's brilliant. I never thought about designing things on the, with the soap. You know, that's great. Yeah, you, you just got me thinking. I was uh, in a I was in a conversation today with a, with a friend, another photographer, a possible business partner, and we we're discussing ways that we could make this partnership work. And we are at the same time we're also competitors, so we stayed on the phone for maybe two hours discussing how we can make 
competition work between us and it was a lot of creative thinking went into that now of course then i had to prepare some invoices there's not a lot of creativity there for sure but that was just <laughs> that's pretty good well i think the thing is you know we're we're not going to hit 100 percent on the 24 7 idea i know that but i was trying to at least enlighten the readers to the fact that even in the night you you can have these inspiring moments you know i wrote about how um you, you know, the Rolling Stones song came about, mm -hmm. uh, I Can't Get No Satisfaction, because he woke up in the middle of the night and recorded it and then came back the next day and thought, well, that's not bad. He didn't even remember that he had, Keith Richards didn't even remember that he recorded it. You know, that's the but, first record I ever bought. Really? Satisfaction? My mother was not happy. I was six years old. <laughs> oh, that's pretty early. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, funny. That's that pretty funny. But, you know, that's the thing. It's like we can open up the idea that one can live a more creative life. And it's like anything. You're not going to get there in one fell swoop, you know. If you decide you want to become good at, at golf or tennis or swimming or surfing or whatever, you don't get there in a day. But you first have to decide that's something you want to pursue. And I think if we can trim away some of the distractions and steer towards, you know, more of what we really want in our life. Because I guess one of the things, and I, I need to kind of underscore this, why are we so interested in creativity in the first place? What's so important about it? Isn't that what makes life a joyful experience? Isn't it what, what sets us apart from you know, the animal kingdom, uh, we're the ones who can stand upright and, and create something and make something that's very different than, you know, any other species uh, is kind of stuck with whatever they've got, you know, and we're the ones that can make that change and change the environment and fit it to what we really envision ourselves. That to really, me is why creativity is so important. Yeah, I really like the example of Jack London because I think it underscores uh, a point that is uh, you don't do the work because you feel inspired and you feel creative. I think you, you do the work because by doing the work, you will get inspiration, will find inspiration and become creative. Yeah. So Absolutely. do the work no matter what. That's the. Yeah, and sometimes you secret, don't want right? to do it. Yeah, it is. You know, it's just like a person who has a job washing dishes. They may not be inspired, but if they want to earn enough money to live so that maybe they have their three hours every night after they wash dishes and they can write the book that they want to write or learn to paint or whatever. You know, Hemingway was a starving writer in Paris, just starving. You know, he, he basically lived in these cheap flats and and you know scrounge sort of his meals together and he's he wasn't an overnight success but because he stuck with it and he really was um you know able to see that if i write every day then i'm going to get better and better he eventually became this great author that we you know revere but it didn't happen just because he wanted it one day and he had to work at it i I also think, sorry, that people get stuck in the idea that if you're creative or you do something creative, it's going to be good. It's yeah. going to be great. 
He goes, show it to the world. It's going to be amazing. You know, it's like we produce a hundred things, 99 of which are not good. Right. One is good. 99 are not good. But the point is not that one. The point is that we're having fun doing it. To me, yeah. creativity is like, because I don't like to do a lot of stuff like washing windows, I will find fun ways to do the work. You know, you you, you have to get me kicking and screaming to do, you know, the business things. And I teach business, by the way, to photographers. <laughs> so, And I find it incredibly satisfying and creative. But... Uh, I had to make it fun for me yeah. to actually do work, you know, study, read, put things together. I create like boards and this and stuff, and I make a big mess even when, you know, the house usually looks like this all the time, actually. So <laughs> it's not, but we we don't, we have these expectations. That if you do something creative, then it's going to be a showpiece. Uh, you go yeah. show it to the world. If it's not, not good enough, the- then it's creativity feeds itself it's because of doing it that we love doing it and then yeah. every now something good comes out and then you publish and, a book or a picture or something then that's fine. yeah and, and you brought up a really important point excuse me which i know is one of the questions that you had to go which is editing because listen even the great artists Stephen King has a process where he just writes and writes and writes and writes. And then when he's done with the whole manuscript, he goes back and edits it. Very good advice. Don't try to edit while you're while you're producing. Just let it flow. Then come back and edit it and you'll find there's a lot that you can throw away. Like he's he throws away like like 15% of whatever he wrote. And he trims it down and that's another really important part of the whole creative process is editing. It's a different hat, and some people, you know, enjoy it more than others. I'll tell you what's interesting for me is one of my favorite activities as a filmmaker is in the editing process. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy taking hours of footage and somehow piecing it together in a, a cohesive way into a really good story. But what does it involve but throwing away lots of stuff? It's all about trimming away the stuff that you really don't need and leaving what's really important. In editing a photograph, you know, you go through maybe hundreds of photos that you shot, even thousands, and you come across the ones that you really like, then you edit those. So it's it's a process of elimination. And, I, you know, Picasso was an unusual artist where it didn't matter what he did, you know, any of those famous, super famous artists, they could be creating a, the silliest thing on the back of a matchbook or something. It's going to be a work of art. Well, that's just because they were at a, such a level, it didn't matter anymore. But for the rest of us, you know, we do have to refine and we do have to select what we want to show to the world or not. You know, there's that famous quote of Mark Twain that I always quote to everybody who works with me, especially when we're talking about writing text and copywriting or writing for your blog or website, whatever. And he, yeah. uh, in his letters to a, a, a friend, a lady friend of his, and he said, I would have written you a shorter letter, but I didn't have the time. That is so true. I know. And- I use that with my video editing all the time. Yeah. Somebody says, can we make a 90-second version of this or a 30-second or whatever? Yeah. yeah. 
you know, it's not just like that easy. You have to, it takes a lot of time to, to eliminate things. But I love that quote too. That's fantastic. I quoted Twain here a few, in a few places in my book. And you also mentioned Picasso and you have an example um, when you use Picasso as an example in the, in the section about, uh, about sharing and uh, yeah. about finding your focus. So do you want to explain that example to our listeners? Because I really like it because I used a, a similar one in, a, in an article that I wrote some time ago. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure if this is the quote you're referring to, but I say, or Picasso said, the purpose of art is washing the dust off daily life off our souls. I'm going to read that again. Yes. That's a little, the purpose of art is washing the dust of daily life off our souls. Is that the one you're referring to? No, was, uh, that, that's great, but I was actually referring to where you say that Picasso went through various periods during, during oh. his uh, artistic career, right? He had the blue period, the rose period, and he was a cubist, and he was yeah. an abstractist, and, and all those, those things. But in the end, he, he was Picasso. I mean, he had he created, he his, own, <laughs> created his own... Uh, Genre, genre right yeah absolutely uh, and in my in my article i use that as an example of saying that uh you can pursue different uh, when, when you share your work when you show your work to the world yeah uh, you can be a jack of all trades and do a lot of things and i think there's it's fine to pursue different uh directions in your yeah. career but then in the end I believe you need to to choose what you want to be famous for if you want to be yeah. famous. Uh, yeah, that's that's something that I found uh, in common with most of the people that I interviewed brought that up one way or another. Chris Burkhart, who is a phenomenon on Instagram, I don't know, he's over 3 million you know, uh, followers. Uh, he said that as well. He says, look, just figure out what you're focus is because if you're all over the place if you're a i'm a portrait photographer i'm a landscape photographer i can do weddings I, i'll do commercial work nobody knows what you are they're confused you know our mind is already too cluttered with so much stuff in it that if we don't have a, a clear what's called position it, it's really hard to say what that person is annie Leibowitz is a good example she is a celebrity portrait photographer however she really wants to shoot landscapes and and all sorts of family type photographs but what she gets paid for is her celebrity portraiture so it's really good advice to figure out the genre that you most want to master and go for it and don't it's fine you can shoot any kind of photograph you want or any kind of artwork you want but but become known to the world with that genre and get it mastered and then and then maybe you can add to it. Yeah. I I have people tell me that they don't want to be labeled. They don't want to be put in a box. But my answer to them is that it doesn't matter. People will put you in a box and will That's label right. you no matter what. <laughs> There's nothing They're going to do, do it, it whether you like it or not. Exactly. So it's better to for you to do it than to have somebody else say Oh, he's just an eclectic artist, let's say. Well, what does that mean? That means you're all over the map. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be better to to have a have a label that somebody says, you know, this guy's really skilled at portraiture. You know, he he captures environmental portraits incredibly well. Fantastic. Okay. And also 
We have, I think people are bombarded by so many, like say photographers, you know, there's a thousands, millions, you know, everybody's a photographer. The thing is, if people don't perceive you as an expert in something, they're not going to turn to you for anything. You know, where people look for someone who knows more than them and is an expert in that thing. If I am looking, you know, if I need a, a brain operation, I'm going to a neurosurgeon. I'm not going to a, a GP or somebody who does, you know, anything. A you dentist. want especially, <laughs> no, exactly. Yes. So, and it's the same in any creative art. If you want to turn it into a a business, of course, but also if you do it as an amateur. Because, um, yeah, we all want to be recognized for something that we bring to the world. And I think if you, if you are creative and you keep hacking away at one thing, you're going to get good at it and you're going to bring something special to it. Your own you're absolutely right. If you don't, yeah. if you, you can't bring your own spin to everything. You've only got one spin to give, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And even if you do go on to other spins, because I've done that, you you should master each one before you move on. Otherwise, you're kind of all over the place, as you say, you know, and it doesn't really doesn't bring you the satisfaction that you're looking for either. Okay, we've gone through the various parts of the creativity cycle. Yeah. Uh, now I would like to, before we wrap this up, I would like to ask you about uh, about the interviews that you have in the book. You interviewed a number of people. You mentioned Chris Burton, yeah. for example, uh, and others. Of all the people you interviewed, uh, who did you strike the most? You know, the one that really surprised me the most was uh, Chris McCaskill, who is the co-founder of SmugMug. And SmugMug, you know, has become pretty much the number one photo sharing site. And they also acquired Flickr. So they kind of own the whole space. Chris McCaskill, because of uh, his mother actually, uh, unfortunately, had schizophrenia, and they ended up on the streets of Oakland, which is a very, at that time, was a very rough part across from San Francisco, homeless, as a homeless kid, living under bridges, you know, uh, never taking showers, horrible conditions. And eventually he tells the story about how he, you know, got out of that and went on to earn his MBA at Stanford, worked with Steve Jobs and became a serial entrepreneur of many successful businesses. But what I found most interesting about his interview was how appreciative he is every day of things that many of us take for granted and he said, every day I appreciate these things. The fact that you could take a warm shower or that you open up a refrigerator and there's food in it or that you can afford to even be creative. I mean, if you're a homeless kid, you don't have the resources. You don't have a camera. You don't have an ability to paint anything or, or write music. You're just trying to live. You're trying to keep from, you know, starving and, and um, you know, dying of, of cold under a bridge. So in his, what he described to me was just his appreciative outlook is so high compared to most people who take all these things for granted. And I found that really very interesting. It really resonated for me. I've never been a homeless person, but I know what it's like to have virtually nothing. 
I've, I've kind of gone through that at one point or another in my life. And to build up to a point where you have the, the means and the resources to sit down and write a book or to pursue your interests, that's you know, something we should never take for granted. And I thought that was just, it was remarkable, his story. I know Chris, I mean, we had a, not really well, we had a couple of interactions online, and but I didn't know about his background, so that's... Uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, he told amazing. me about it one day, we were setting up for a workshop at Smug Mug, and he just happened to mention this, and I thought, what? <laughs> he says, yeah, I was homeless on the streets. I, I had no idea until I really interviewed him. And it was it was really kind of him because obviously that's not something that's easy to open up to the world about. It's not something that we, we all would want. It wasn't so much he didn't want others to know about it, but it's painful for him to talk about it as well. But he, he was generous in allowing me to ask him about it and talk about it. And it really, I, I feel is an important part of the book. One of the things I loved about doing these interviews is that each one of these creatives had such a unique viewpoint, but by the same token, they also had common things that they all said. Like one of the things that almost every one of them mentioned is, you know, we all have these inner demons. We have mm. those voices that kick us around and say, you know, you're an imposter, you're not good enough, and right? But you have to overcome that. There's that famous Jack Nicholson quote that I love that he says, Tell me. I try not to listen to the voices in my head, but damn, do they come up with good ideas. <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, Jack is one of a kind. You know? Exactly right. It's, That's yeah. pretty good. But it just shows even these people who were fantastically celebrated artists had to, had to overcome these things. And one of the things I was trying to show in the book is they're just people like the rest of us. They weren't born with some, you know, special creative gene. They they had to work at it. And, you know, again, it's just, I hope, is inspiring for people who want to become more creative and realize the stuff they're going through. We all have to go through that. It's not unique to one person to overcome these financial barriers, emotional barriers, I mean, the stories are just remarkable. And that's part of the whole creative process. Yes, absolutely. And um, the, the gratefulness I find, you know, we've been through, I, I relate to that completely. And it, I, I don't see any great things coming from people who just feel entitled. It I just know. But, you know, so it's uh, gratefulness is a big part of it, realizing, you know, it's all a gift and then recognizing the gift and then bringing it out and the generosity. I, you mentioned few, some people I don't know, but some people that I have met that have done, you know, really wonderful things are great artists. They all have this type of giving spirit because you you, you realize you, you have been given so much and you That's just right. yeah, a, you know, channel to put it into the world, and yes, of course, you're going to be paid for it. Or you may, you know, you've got to make a living out of it. And the more you can do that, the more people you can impact and help, and you know, do that. And that's, that's also my vision. But um, yeah, I, I don't see many kind of measly, entitled little 
imps making it big in the creative world. <laughs> it doesn't. I'm, it doesn't I'm afraid you're absolutely right. I agree with you 100. percent It's it's a generosity, and that's something I noticed when I was doing my YouTube interviews. How generous these guys were. These people that I interviewed were were just. And some weren't. When I asked them to be on the show, they were kind of, I don't know if I want to give away all my secrets. And obviously those people I didn't interview. But it was a very small percentage that gave me that kind of response. Most people did want to share their knowledge, which I thought was fantastic. I found that, you know, being Italian, I'm really into food, not just wine, food as well. And yeah. I end up in kitchens, in restaurants, you know, I end up befriending the chefs and, and that's how I learned to cook and that's how I learned to, you know, appreciate good food and and. And there are two types of chefs in the world, and I realize this applies to any kind of artist or any kind of, you know, person. And there's the, the ones when you, you eat something wonderful and you say, like, can I have the recipe? And one will say, oh, no, it's a secret. And, you know, it's just, well, you know, they don't. And the other one will say, yeah, of course, you know, you do it this, this and that. You know, and they give yeah. you some you know, quantities because they make it. But the thing is that they know you will never make it the same. Never. You'll never make it, the, make it the, same. the same. So it's fine. You, I can tell you how to do it. It's no secret, you know, because you know you will still come here and eat mine. You're not. That's right. Taking anything away, and so that's that's the thing. And and people split exactly that way. True. Well, I make fantastic pesto, no. but I will. I will never give away my recipe. But <laughs> <laughs> I have one too. <laughs> I'm sure you do. We all have our pesto recipes, but you know it's important. I I, compl I totally know what you mean. It's sort of like saying, "Here's a camera, you know. Go take photographs like Annie Leibovitz." Mm -hmm. yeah. You know? Okay, great. So people ask me, you know, what are your presets? Oh, good God! Yeah. Uh, what are your settings for that photo? <laughs> Like it really what? matters. I mean, come on. I know. <laughs> okay, so uh, I mean, I really love this interview, this conversation. It was not even an interview; it was really a yeah. really fun and engaging conversation. And I, I knew what to expect from you, Mark, and uh, you <laughs> did deliver. I mean, it's uh, it's oh, been great. So, hear. Fabrizio, we definitely need to do more interviews or conversation with with other guests like this. We're going to do, to do more in the future to. Just yeah, we'll do Mark up. again. Uh, Mark again anytime, just let me know. The next book we want you as a as a guest. <laughs> it's already and it's already about two thirds done, as a matter of fact. Two -thirds, you can't no. ask him to write a book every time he wants to come on an interview. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We could schedule them in between. <laughs> okay. I love it. <laughs> But this book, so I'll just uh, remind again everyone, it's called Create Tools from Seriously Talented People to unleash your creative life. Life, sorry. Um, well, where can people find the book? Uh, I guess Amazon, Barnes & Noble, usual places. Yeah. But It's on all the usual places. If you go to Amazon, you just type in my name, Mark Silber, M-A-R-C-S-I-L-B, like boy, E-R, Silber. Uh, you'll find it along with my other books, or go to my website, which is silberstudios.com. And that, again, is with a B. And what you'll find is my books. And also, if you order the book um, before it comes out, we'll give you a what we call a pre-order bonus. 
if you come back to the website, you'll be able to download a quick start guide to creativity, which is kind of fun. Yeah. And uh, the other thing that we that I've done with all my previous books and I'll do with this one is I create a digital resource page. So this makes it kind of interactive. You know, you're reading a book that's in print, but there's websites or people that I mention or whatever. So I put link, all those links and resources and even videos on, um, on the website. So you can, you can check in with those things as you're reading the book. I'm like that. When I read a book, I always like to kind of, get in depth with whatever the author is talking about and I'll do my own research sometimes or whatever. So we're, we're trying to make that process really easy, but uh, that's where you can find the book. And one of the things I hope to hear from people who read it, because at the end of every chapter, I ask questions that I'm hoping will stimulate people to do things because this isn't supposed to be a mental exercise. It's all about doing stuff. It's all about getting into action. And I'm asking questions to hopefully get the reader to look at their own life and how these things apply to them and also action steps that they can follow to make changes. Because going back to your point, Ugo, about how do you get more creative in your life if all these other things are getting in the way? Well, it's a process. And so I'm trying to help people achieve that on a step-by-step basis. So it's really important to do those exercises. Yeah, and actually, after this podcast, we have, you know, underneath here, we have a thing that people can actually record a message and ask a question or say something. So the thing is, now the challenge is, now you, off you go, get the book, and then come back to the podcast underneath here and start, you know, tell us all of the questions, all of the things that are going through, and then we'll get Mark back again Absolutely. to shoot them all at him, you know, in a month's time or something. I, I love it. I'd love to do that. A, I think that would be fabulous. Good game. So let's see how many we get. But, I mean, if okay. you're serious about any of this, you've got to do it. I mean, come on, leave your messages. and We want to hear because otherwise we're just here talking to ourselves and that's not very good. You know, yeah, we, we like to have conversations with So the now we have a book that you can work on. And so Fantastic. off you go, off, off you go. It's a standing invitation. I'm ready to reappear whenever you need me. Would be our pleasure. So that's been great. Uh, just going to remind everyone that this episode and all the others can be found at our website at closingthegap.live and uh, silverstudios.com that's the that's yours that's right uh, yeah. yep and uh, well we, we never mention our own respective website fabrizia maybe we should for once what's your website fabriziacosta.com very boring but effective it's very clear easy <laughs> to nice. find mine is a bit more complicated it's just ucphoto.me so if people want to know more about us they can find us there Okay, that's been a really great, great conversation. I hope we can repeat it again. And, uh, great to meet you, Mark. Same here. I look forward to one day meeting you in person when we come I'll, back to Italy. I'm going to California for a, to LA for a workshop, um, uh-huh. either winter or February. So I'm just dealing with that. And if I come to California, then... Yes, it's a given. It's a short short drive to Carmel. You should make it for sure. 
Yeah, right. I'll keep All you right. posted. <laughs> Thank right. you. Bye-bye. Take care. Ciao. Bye-bye.